Hello everybody, my name is Eric Mercier. I am co-owner of Juice Imports, and today I'm gonna to walk you through the June edition of our Premium Natural Wine Club. Uh, after a couple weeks off of not having any guests, uh, we now have uh, you know a brand new face in the quote-unquote studio. Uh, we got Brad Royale. Uh, I figured you can introduce yourself, let us know what you're up to, and, uh, and how you're part of this whole wine thing. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I'm pumped to be here. This is cool. Uh, we're right downtown in a great office. We've got a beautiful view of downtown Calgary today. It's a beautiful Saturday morning, which is quite lovely. Uh, again, thanks for having me. My name is Brad Royale. I am a sommelier based in Calgary. I, uh, I'm a freelance uh, consultant, so I work with a whole bunch of people in town. Current projects, uh, very apropos to where we are right now, is a launch of a brand new restaurant called Major Tom, which is on the 40th floor of the Scotiabank building, which we're in right now. That get open July 6th, which is the fourth time that restaurant has, <laughs> has tried to open. So fingers crossed that this all works out, which is pretty cool. Uh, so that's coming right up. A um, little project on First Street, First Street Market, also opening July uh, as well. Oh, wow. Going to be doing the beverage program for them, which is pretty cool. Big bar opens up to the park and the tennis courts. That'll be pretty fun. You can find me at the Stampede Grounds this year uh, as well. Uh, coming up, which would be pretty interesting, I think. Stampede yeah. just seems weird, hey? But, Super weird. You know, <laughs> I guess you got to rip that giant band-aid off sometime, right? And yeah. Just, and just go for it, you know? They're having like 135,000 people NASCAR races in the States. Oh yeah. So I guess, you know, we could probably host the Stampede, I guess. For sure. Yeah, well watching like the, the, the playoffs are happening right now. Uh, yeah. And you know, watching 18,000 people, no masks, shoulder to shoulder. Uh, it's, yeah. yeah, it's pretty wild. So hopefully, uh, you know, in our big outdoor open space, we can, uh, you know, do it in a way that's that makes sense and still is representative of what Stampede is, is supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, so I feel so, like that. Yeah. yeah. Eat a corn dog, right? Watch yeah, exactly. Or, you know, yeah. Deep fried Oreos. For sure. Yeah. What's yeah. going on in July? Yeah. You find me in Winnipeg in July. Oh. At the Forks when they oh, yeah. kind of reopened, which is pretty good. They got a great little bar here called The Common, uh, which is super fun. It's kind of like if Eau Claire was like relevant, pertinent, awesome, and made sense. <laughs> Sounds ideal. Yeah, it's quite an amazing space, really. Yeah. yeah. I love the Forks. Awesome. It's such a good spot. Hey, I love Winnipeg in general. I'm mm -hmm. kind of happy. I've only been a chance to like, explore it a little bit, but I'm excited to get back there, though, and check it out. Yeah. It's amazing how the world went from like being like closed to someone just walking in and like flipping the open sign and yeah. unlocking the door. Yeah. We're open. Yeah. <laughs> Come on in. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, again, I'm, I'm extraordinarily excited for, for all of that. Uh, you know, we went, to, we went to Winnipeg, like, sort of right before this whole lockdown situation happened. Uh, I guess, like, yeah, right. in late 2019, we were looking at maybe selling some wine out there. Uh, and uh, our, our mutual friend, Alex Good, uh, his family has, like, lives out there and has, like, That's a right. cabin and stuff. And so he's like, do you want to go fishing and try and sell some wine? And I was yeah. like, yeah, for sure. I totally do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I was like really impressed with what was going on out there. And like the wine scene is, is su like surprisingly developed and it's rad. Yeah. Yeah. So was that the yeah. big road trip you guys took? Was it when you went down to Regina too? No, no. no. This was sort of a separate thing. Yeah, I, I actually flew there and Alex drove 
yeah. which is wild. I just didn't have the have the time at that particular time of year. I don't even remember when that was. But, it's a long uh, ways. Yeah, it's super long ways. <laughs> yeah. Very flat, very yeah. long. Very long. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we'll jump into some wine. Uh, yes, sir. Brad and I are equivalently hungover, so this should be, uh, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> we're, we're really... We tried to warm up last night, like we were, yeah. we were really revving the engines for for some proper tasting. Yeah, I really, uh, I really warmed up. Like, yeah, I, like, like hot. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, so I closed the blind behind me because I was I was gonna actually roast. Um, well, so good. Yeah, the first wine that we have here, this is uh, JH Mayer, um, aka Stompy. Um, ironically, uh, when I first met Stompy. Uh, was while I was in South Africa on a trip that you were also on. It was. Uh, so that's uh, that's sort of a good throwback. We, we have a couple good good sort of connections here, I think. Um, this is Chardonnay coming from Elgin. Um, this is, he likes to kind of go like very Jura-esque, like sort of a more oxidative style of Chardonnay. Um, quite opulent for the region, at least. Uh, Elgin is the coldest um basically like sub-region of, uh, of South Africa. There's actually way more apples grown here than there are uh, actual grapes. 90% of the fruit production is, is apples. They get a better uh, price in grapes too. Yeah, which is <laughs> I believe it. Crazy. Yeah. Like, that's like the only place in the world where apples outsell grapes. Totally. Yeah. Weird. I feel like the yeah, grape prices in South Africa are like absolutely ludicrous. Like I think you can sell sand for more money than you can sell grapes. Yeah, it's bonkers out there. Because he, yeah. he had to plant, right? Like a lot of this is like virgin virgin land that he's kind of has been planting on, right? So th- this is uh, sort of a separate thing. So th- this is purchased fruit um, from his own, uh, from, from somebody else's vineyard, um, oh. from the Palmy vineyard, versus he actually did plant in uh, Reba Castile, which is like... Um, it's in Swartland, like basically smack dab in the middle of the Swartland, and yeah, it's like virgin, like mountain top uh, that he cleared and just planted right into the rock. Uh, yeah, it's, I was looking at some of the, yeah. the pictures of the vineyards. Like it's nuts. Like, it's, it's wild. Like it's it's, it's rock. Yeah, super ambitious. Kind of. Does he have an ocean view from where he is at his elevation? No, no, okay, no. Yeah, I think it's like far enough away that yeah, it's. Uh, okay. You can definitely feel the coast, but you're probably. Um, gosh, from there you're probably like almost a hundred k from the from the coast in yeah. like both directions. I guess so. Hey. Yeah, um, <laughs> which is not to say that you you couldn't see it, but I I, I just don't think it's uh, not, not with the naked eye, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you definitely feel feel the influence. It's weird going through the Swartland. Like each different part of the Swartland is so different. You go from again feeling quite coastal even though you're you're kind of inland to feeling like you know you're on top of a mountain to you're feeling like you're driving through uh saskatchewan like it's just fields it's a pretty Um, big area it is a huge area for sure yeah Yeah. um but yeah to put it in context i guess so swartland where he is is just north of cape town versus this is just east of cape town so for those of you following along on your maps at home looking through your uh world atlas of wine or, or whatever it happens to be um so yeah this is kind of like a like a high elevation uh valley that's like all on its own quite close to the coast 
um, which is why it ends up being quite cool. It also gets a lot more cloud cover than most other regions in, in South Africa. So again, it delays that ripening, allows you to retain acidity, uh, huge diurnal shifts because of the, the higher elevation. So again, just everything to preserve acidity essentially. Um, one third of this was fermented on skins uh, and then two thirds were direct press. Uh, so it's interesting. You get that skin contact on the nose. You get that mm-hmm. kind of that basic phenolic kind of note. You certainly get it on the palate. It has wonderful texture. It's quite rich, mm-hmm. but still fairly, you know, docile in its approach. Really, like it's a very yeah. subtle wine, but has a certain amount of weight and, and presence to it. It's cool. How long does he keep it on skins for? Uh, so it kind of varies from vintage to vintage. This Good. vintage was only a week on skins, um, but the previous vintage was like three weeks on skins. Um, yet it looked roughly the same color, which is really interesting. It just sort of, I'm not sure what his, what his reasoning is for this year being sort of a less skin contact year, but again, it still shows as, as a Chardonnay, less so like a, an orange wine. I yeah. would say. Oh, very um, much so. Yeah, I mean, this yeah. is this is pretty short. Name was the previous vintage like a bit more tannic or a bit more? Yeah, like, like it, it was definitely edging towards that orange for sure. Kind of. Yeah, because I mean, I think if you didn't know about skin contact, like aromatics and, and maybe textural notes, I don't think a lot of people would even notice. Mm-hmm. They would just think it's delicious Chardonnay mm-hmm. in a very. It kind of balances between two styles, hey? Like, it's at one point, you know, kind of on the, the, the modern edge of Lee's use. Mm-hmm. You know, you're kind of getting those telltale kind of like wet stone matchstick, you know, woolly sweater kind of like notes to it. But at the same time, though, it still has that uh, kind of historic body and weight to it yeah. at the same time. I think that this is probably like an absolute, well, it is an absolute bang and borrow of Chardonnay, but I think for the general public, for everyone, at home (laughs) just pour this I think everyone would be like this stuff is awesome yeah totally it's a great bottle of Chardonnay and what is what is this retail for this retails for like 37 somewhere around there oh so so yeah is there any reason to drink white burgundy anymore you know (laughs) I mean for 37 bucks you can drink this yeah it's uh yeah, I know. I find myself more and more challenged with that all the time. I think you uh, just stand outside the city of Bone with like $37 and they would be like, no. Yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have anything for you here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, keep driving south. You'll eventually end up at somewhere where $37 bottles of wine exist. You must be lost. Yeah, for sure. You've gone too far. Yeah. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Or like, you know, I was having some Mornington Peninsula Chardonnay from a beautiful producer, you know, that retails for about the same cash. Mm-hmm. You just don't have to drink Burgundy anymore, you know? You can drink this wine for 37 bucks. You could buy a six pack of this at $37 a bottle and enjoy it for a couple months for one bottle of Premier Crew Marceau yeah. from top producers. Yeah. You know, and enjoy just so much more of this. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've been thinking a lot about lately is, um, you know, uh, I'm sure you experience this as well, where consumers come up to you and they're like, oh, yeah, like, no, I, I don't drink wine from California or I don't drink wine from France or something along those lines. And yeah. one of the things that I've been thinking about <laughs> lately, which yeah, I love, love that answer, like, an entire country. An entire country. 
And like this is the thing is that there's like there's nothing about it being France that makes that wine taste the way that it does. It's purely a combination of like soil temperature aspect water availability and winemaking technique which has nothing to do with the fact that it's in france so if you can find all those parameters somewhere else where the temperature is the same the soils are the same the water retention is the same you're doing the same winemaking techniques there's no reason i think at least that you couldn't get something that approaches that style to a degree at which you know if the if uh, the buy-in is 10 times more, you would feel bad about having this other wine. Yeah, I think the French would disagree with you. They would super <laughs> disagree with me. <laughs> Again, the answer would be no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, people play such a role in winemaking, though. I mean, you mm-hmm. take, you know, there's been so many experiments over the years where you have, you know, the same winemaker... Or so you have the same kind of site, but you have a variety of winemakers that come in and, you know, human, that human touch is so impactful Mm -hmm. into wine, you know? So I, I agree with what you're saying that, I mean, if you, with certainly with regards when people like, I don't drink California Chardonnay and you're like, well, you know, maybe you should try Sonoma Coast Chardonnay or maybe something from Santa Barbara or Mm -hmm. Carneros, you know, Carneros, you know, you're probably just drinking, you know, generic, you know. Gross California Chardonnay, which granted no one should drink, yeah, except millions and millions and millions and millions of people love that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you just got to find the right one. But yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, you just got to find. It's hard to write off an entire area. You yeah, know, people are like I don't like drinking wines from Pre-Rat or something. You know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, totally. You just got to find the right one. You know, drink some young Abarplacios and. You probably dig that stuff, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's tricky. But people get that in their heads, though. They're like, I like this and not that. Mm-hmm. You know? And you're like, well, cool. I mean, there's lots of wine out there. So I guess if you're going to be a weirdo snob, then I guess go for it. Yeah. You know? That's the thing. It's like, yeah, you may be cutting out like hundreds of thousands of possible wines, but yeah. you still have hundreds of thousands of possible wines yeah. from that place. So it's like, exactly. yeah, I can see why you would do it. Immediately, like like limiting your options by 50% is just it's a, it's you just narrow it down because you're it just makes it easier essentially there's a great um, <laughs> there's a great podcast by Malcolm Gladwell Revisionist History oh yeah love it so good I can listen to that guy talk all day long he's so yeah. great at what he does in like I think the first season or something he has this great episode about tomato sauce like spaghetti sauce okay it's, it's, it's absolutely it's wicked and so he goes on, so he, like, he interviews, like, this dude from, like, you know, Prego or, or something, right? And it was, like, Hans and Prego, if I recall, and they were kind of babbling out in that spaghetti sauce market. And, you know, Prego comes out with, like, you know, 25 different sauces, you know? And then most of them don't sell or go anywhere. There's a creamy mushroom and, you know, spicy and extra garlic and whatever. And they kind of, then they hired this, this mathematician to come in and try to figure out their sales problem. And he was like, the problem is, is that there's too much. You need three. You need chunky, extra garlic, and regular. Yeah. That's all you really need. That's, because people just look at this wall and they're like, well, fuck, I don't know what to buy. Yeah. And they just reach for the middle one that's extra garlic. Yeah. Take. And I think the same thing applies to wine. Mm-hmm. You know, you put someone in a wine shop and they're like, oh man, like, like, what am I going to do with all of this? I mean, I think, you know, I walk into a giant wine shop, you know, some of these massive wine stores, and you're like, 
wow. You know, like how do you figure this out? Yeah. You know, so then oh, yeah. you know, if you can just get rid of an entire continent mm-hmm. and only got one from Australia. Yeah. Well, or Chile or whatever or France, then yeah. you know, great, but then we don't even have to go over there. And I can yeah. just take you to the shitty California Chardonnay section and <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's where we can stay, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it makes sense to some degree, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm just gonna stay focused on here. Yeah. I remember, like, again, even after years of working in the wine industry, I was terrified by wine lists. Like, going to a restaurant and, like, looking at a wine list. And I'm like, if I don't know the producers on this, I immediately feel uncomfortable. Because am I going to order a $75 bottle of wine that I'm not going to like? You know, there's there's that sort of barrier to entry that that it feels very intense even to ask somebody who, who works there, whether that be the server, whether that be the sommelier, whoever it is. And so, I like, I found regardless of the level of knowledge I had, it was always displayed in a different way. It was different producers all the time. Again, in, in Alberta, we have like, what, 100,000 different options for, yeah, for wine, something like that. Um, so it's like, of course, every restaurant you go to is gonna have you know, a, a slightly different list. Um, and I, yeah, I just remember being like, incredibly overwhelmed. Uh, and that's after like four years of working in the wine industry. And oh so God, I, can only, I can only imagine as a, as a consumer, again, that same sort of, I, again, I think like you and I, it's like a kid in a candy shop when you go into a, a wine store. But I think for a lot of people, they're like, okay, here yeah. we go. Deep breaths. Exactly. Walk in. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, we all have those scenarios. I, I know when I walk into Home Depot and I need like a particular bolt or nut or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, <laughs> help. <laughs> I don't even know what this thing is. <laughs> I, just need, I just know I need another one of them. Yeah, I cannot describe this object in my hand, but if you could get me one more of them, that would be fantastic. It's like this, it'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Uh, yeah. I like how this is unfolding mm-hmm. uh, in the glass. Uh, this is good wood vintage. This is 2018 J.H. Meyer Pomian. This is a delicious wine. Yeah, it's got this really, it, it's this quality that I really like in, in certain regions and certain grape varieties, and it's this like yellow plum quality where it's got this like ripe kind of sappiness to it. Um, this combination of, like I feel like yellow plums are like the perfect combination of like sweet yeah. and sour. Um, and I feel like because of like yeah. the little like presence of VA here, it kind of just like, again, bumps up that like white truffle, like yeah. white balsamic kind of like background note that just really sort of fleshes out the fruit, adds like some spice to the palate, like a little heat almost. Um, yeah, I, I like the style, I think it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. That white balsamic note is really lovely here because it adds that punch mm-hmm. that you would use it, you know, in cooking as well. You're making For sure. sauce and it's a bit flat, add a bit of vinegar. Yeah. You know, boom, all of a sudden you have aromatics and yeah. flavor intensity and the salt becomes more, more nuanced and just the dish becomes so much more flavorful with a bit of acid adjustment to it. And that's kind of what that does here as well. Yeah, this is killer wine. It's great. Aged for a little bit too, hey? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he releases these really late uh, as a general statement, and then was um, thinking if this was the recent release, like this, you know, could very well be twenty twenty. Yeah. So I mean, twenty eighteen. I mean, it's a pretty patient hand, you know, on the trigger figure for uh, for shipping this. It's nice to see, really, Mm -hmm. um, that kind of age and the wine definitely definitely is rewarded for it yeah it's nice to see that really you know when producers release wines and they're like they taste it taste like nope 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 they're like yeah yeah now it's a good now it should go yeah. yeah now we ship it and we know that when it gets shipped 
you know, and the, the guest tastes it in the restaurant or the person buys it from the wine shop, they take it home, they're going to get a delicious bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like tasting like, hmm, oh, this would be great in a year, mm-hmm. you know, or two years. And you're like, well, that sucks because I'm having dinner in 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah, hey, like that's not really yeah. useful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Great information to have. For two years from now when I'm having dinner in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So he is also responsible for Mother Rock, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of the stuff that he releases younger, like the more sort of playful wines versus the one that he actually throws his name on. Those are maybe the, the more serious um, single vineyard Chardonnays, single vineyard Pinot Noirs is sort of the extent of it. Um, Those go into the Mother Rock label? Uh, so the single vineyard stuff goes under the James Merritt label, and Mother then, Rock. yeah, the Mother Rock is like more playful, more like kind of wild skin contact stuff. It's mostly from Swartland versus uh, yeah. this stuff is usually from Elgin, although there are a couple other places that he's getting Pinot and Chardonnay. I remember we tasted those wines together mm-hmm. uh, at Cape Wine. I remember yeah. them being like, they're quite intense. Yeah. You know, they're, they're way into the orange. You know, Very orange. Yeah, like tannic and super turbid and, yeah. and quite cloudy. They're pretty fun wines. Yeah, super fun. Like it's definitely... It's nice that that side of the spectrum exists. Uh, yeah, it's not an it's not an all the time thing for me personally, but I again I like them enough to to uh, you know I believe that there was a time and place for them, and so they're really fun to get to drink. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Like anything with wine, you know. I mean, you know, orange gets its you know. I mean, you you kind of either love it you know or hate it kind of at this stage. I think in the universe. Yeah. You know, but. Uh, Again, having more options is better than having fewer options, I yeah. think, in, in any scenario. Uh, Definitely. Besides maybe buying spaghetti sauce, I guess. <laughs> glad well yeah. Uh, yeah, I love, I love orange. The texture. I love orange wines with food. They mm-hmm. have to be some of the greatest food wines on the planet. The texture, the acidity, um, sometimes the, the really wonderful pang of you know a VA lift uh, mm-hmm. to it, the salty characteristics of those wines, but mostly the structure though, that beautiful balance between tannin and acid, mm-hmm. and then the kind of the iced tea, you know, mm-hmm. peach fuzzy kind of notes that you totally. get in there just lend itself so well to, to food really. It's good. It's nice that he's got such a, a great hand at, at both styles of wine between mm-hmm. seeing the you know the the extremely. Uh, you know, kind of awesomely frenzied, varied, uh, intense styles that you see with Mother Rock wines. Yeah. Where this, I mean, is this, under his J.H. Meyer label, is quite composed, mm-hmm. you know? To see that skill set is, is pretty amazing. There's not a lot of winemakers that can be, you know, on Jupiter and then also can come back to Earth. Yeah. You know, <laughs> at the same time, right? For sure. You know? Yeah. Um, it's pretty good. Yeah. As far as like pairings go, um, yeah. What what would be your go to with uh, with something like this? Obviously, pretty flexible. But oh, if there's anything that stands out. Gosh, this is like super flexible. I mean, you can have this with anything. The nice thing about this wine, so that skin contact with the Chardonnay for that one week, uh, just brings that texture, mm-hmm. you know, to it. So, um, I really like having. I think also serving temperature is going to be extremely important as to mm-hmm. what you're doing with this. Um, shellfish would be awesome in particular crab fresh crab king crab just simply cracked and if this was quite cold Mm -hmm. that would be amazing you know that's a bit of a no brainer really 
Yeah. But slightly warmer though, a bit cooler than we're drinking it right now. I like mm-hmm. this temperature for analyzing it, but yeah. with dinner I would serve it a bit cooler. Uh, ribeye. Hmm. You know, love it, nice. right? Especially if you're serving ribeye with any kind of like a, a bit of a lighter side to it. Yeah. You know, I love Chardonnay with, with red meat. Hmm. Interesting. Because it's so that... refreshing. <laughs> you know, Chardonnay has to have texture and it has to have a bit of weight to, to power through that. But uh, yeah, that would be great. I love it, especially in the summertime. You yeah. Know, when it's hot outside, you want something totally. refreshing. Yeah. Right? You know, I mean, drinking this or cold red, you know, which yeah. we're going to get into, I guess. Yeah. You know, shortly here. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you know, food pairings, I mean, like lots of stuff, really. I mean, it would be great with, oh gosh, anything, really. Nice little bit of roast chicken or... Yeah, you know. I had like, a, again, mushrooms in, in my, my write-up here. Oh, um, man. The ultimate would be like a roasted breast chicken with oh, a, a van That's the ultimate always sauce. Though. Yeah. <laughs> would be absolutely banging yeah. with this. Yeah, mushrooms. Just a mushroom dish in general. Totally. You know, like a little mushroom fricassee. Totally you know, yep. would be would be pretty pretty outrageous with this. Uh, canned fish, mm. in particular, yeah. if it was chilled, would be great. Like a little dish of like you know canned sardines, you know, with some crackers, you know, by the river. With this <laughs> chilling in the river on a day For like sure. today, would be pretty mind blowing. Yeah, yeah. I think that's like basically my game plan later today. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Driving out to Drumheller right after this, so it's. Uh, Are you really? Yeah. Sick. Yeah, it's gonna go. Uh, oh. I think it's. I think it's the the Red Deer River that runs through there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, gonna gonna really? just like yeah, gonna go put my feet in that river and you know oh. maybe have that and uh, I got a can of cockles at home. I feel like that's gonna be a uh, bang. Gonna, gonna be a great day for yeah. sure. Yeah. Oh, I love that drive, especially on a day like today. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Beautiful day for it for sure. Cool. Yeah. Hopefully we get a campsite. We'll find out. I guess once we get there. Hmm. <laughs> Super fun. Yeah. I'm going to do that. <laughs> You're more than welcome to join. <laughs> Come on down. Um, great treat. I have, I've never had this one before. Cool. And I will be sure to buy some of this because this is absolutely great. Delicious. I think there's like 12 bottles left in the province. So it's, uh, Where are they? <laughs> uh, currently, they're, they're in St. Albert at, at Liquor Connect, but uh, they, will, uh, oh, really? they will be somewhere eventually. So, yeah. There we uh, go. Officially, that's now zero. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Fun. That's great. Uh, stuff. Cool. Yeah, moving on to the next guy here. Uh, so, this is a brand new one for us. Uh, we've never had this in the market before. Um, this is made by our friend Theo Coles at uh, the Hermit Ram um, in North Canterbury, so, South Island of New Zealand. Um, is really interesting. Uh, so the first vintage we, we ever got from, from Theo was like four years ago. And um, he didn't have a ton of wine for us. He's like, yeah, cool. We can give you like 10 cases of this and five cases of this. And we made it work. And then the next year he had like even less wine for us. He's like, you can have this one wine. Uh, and we're like, okay, cool. We'll make that work. And then the following year he'd had no wine for us. And then uh, this year he reached out to us and he's like, hey, like, just wondering if you still want to work with me. Like, you guys didn't get any of my wine last year. I'm like, yeah, dude, like, we definitely want to work with you. Send us some wine. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. I can definitely do that. And so uh, we were lucky enough to, to get a sort of a mixed palette this year and uh, of a couple of things that we haven't had before. So I thought this would kind of be a, a fun sort of, you know, spring warm day red wine slash... 
I don't know. I, I guess we could just call this a red wine. Um, yeah. It's a blend of uh, Pinot Noir and Pinot Gris. I was just um, going to ask because there's an S. I yeah, Pinots. Yeah, it's yeah the yeah. M4 of Pinots. Oh, uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's essentially I believe it's equal parts uh, Pinot Noir and Pinot Gris, um, and uh, fermented in stainless steel, but then pressed off into amphora for élevage. Um, he does a ton of stuff in amphora now. So for for those of you at home who don't know, uh, an amphora is basically like a large clay vessel. Um, it's the way that wine would have been fermented in, in sort of ancient times in ancient Greece and in and, and Rome and Think about in Georgia like your, and your grade ten history class. Yeah. When you were like looking at like all the, the Grecian, you know, ruined ships. Yeah. You know? Totally. Those are amphora. Yeah. So yeah, that's essentially what he's uh, what he's aging in. Uh, he does it for a handful of reasons. He likes the the amount of oxygen that the wine gets. They're quite porous, so they, they allow in oxygen, which um, in micro amounts help stabilize the wine, especially if you're using little or no sulfur. Um, it's, I don't know, they're a good size. They, the, the wine kind of constantly moves in them because of their shape. Uh, as you kind of constantly have, I don't know, lees sort of working into it, this, this sort of kinetic quality to the wines. Um, and, you know, in some cases imparts flavor as well. It's like an oak barrel. Like it's even when they're neutral, they're, they're imparting something. Yeah. Um, lots of thoughts about that shape, the kind of the, the, the elliptical, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, um, universal movement of how everything moves kind of elliptically, you know, sort of eggs, uh, planetary rotations, you know, mm-hmm. the harmony of incorporating that, the energy around you mm-hmm. you know a lot of uh, a lot of thought about that yeah for sure yeah totally this is really interesting oh yeah the are, are they uh like is it like a field blend like they're harvesting at yeah. the same time yeah oh, that's so interesting hey mm-hmm. uh hmm, interesting do you know what date that was harvested on by chance not sure not sure the top so date. curious hey because you would those two i guess depending on the site might ripen around the same time yeah depending on where in their ripening spectrum because that's the interesting thing about Pinot Gris like I think you can harvest it basically any day for like a month and it's ripe it's different styles like if you're harvesting to make like a Pinot Grigio-esque wine you may be harvesting a month earlier than you would be harvesting for you know an Alsatian style Pinot Gris with all factors being the same so I feel like there's so many different spots where you can harvest Pinot Gris it is really flexible that way and like it's it's yeah, obviously can sure. make a lot of different styles. Pinot Noir, on the other hand, not so more finicky. Yeah, <laughs> you got like one day, like yeah. you know. I'm ready at three fifteen p.m. on Tuesday. Totally, it's like Are all the condoms. Like they're never just you can right. never catch them when they're actually right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So an interesting blend. Mac Forbes made a Pinot Noir Pinot Green blend, mm. kind of back in the day. I think this is something Wyoming could have experimented with over over time. I think I think more in a modern sense. Uh, Certainly, historically, when people would just make you know field blends of, of, of all sorts of things, really white and red, but that kind of disappeared for a while. Now it tends tends to be. I think we're seeing it kind of reemerge like a little bit mm-hmm. in this sense. Pinot Noir and Pinot Gris, to me, as a blend, always. I've only had them young. I've never had them, you know, aged. Mm. In a sense, to me, always seem to you know kind of fight each other for like, sure a little bit. Like there's uh, like a sibling tension. Yeah. You know, in the wine, aromatically and on the palate, where you, you just you feel them wrestling a little mm-hmm. bit. Makes for an interesting experience when you're drinking it. Yeah, definitely. And certainly that amphora 
adds like this real nice kind of waft of you know malted body and a bit of wheat bix in there and yeah for sure a sense of uh definitely this earth and kind of quality too which is quite lovely it's also quite turbid hey it's quite yeah it's quite this was we there. also did rest this upside down for a period of time uh to uh <laughs> to, sure. to just get a little bit of a chill on it in the ice bucket there the rapid chill totally um, it's a cool wine and has and does it see a little bit of like skin contact with it like mm-hmm. during its fermentation mm-hmm. obviously right. well, I mean obviously I mean the color but like kind of uh, any kind of extended uh, is it kind of a shorter longer because it feels like like the sense of a nose like there's a bit of like tar and a bit of allspice mm-hmm. uh, kind of nose that come out sometimes you find that with a bit of extended mm-hmm. uh, skin contact particularly in, in reds yeah, I th- normally his skin contact regime is like one to two weeks. Um, that's not to say that it couldn't have been different for this, but not that I've heard, at least. Um, this one's really interesting to you from the perspective that if I were to open this and, and taste this, I would be like, okay, this is should be drank over a short period of time, chilled in an afternoon. And uh, Mark, um, the other night... Uh, pulled out a bottle that had been open for uh, like a little over a, a day. Uh, yeah. You know, it was opened like the the lunch before yeah. kind of deal, and was had really sort of almost come together more. Um, was showing a lot more of the the fruit characteristics. Um, but yeah, like I, even for myself, like the the tasting note that I, that I wrote for this, like I was all about. Uh, Oh my goodness. Sometimes I, I look at the things that I write and I'm like, really? Like, that's that's what I write? A, tr- oh, man, a trickster in Loki's ilk. Uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> I was really feeling it. Maybe I drank something before that. But yes. yeah, like like juniper, honeyberry, yeah. damp rose, lichen, slate, birch. Like, it's... Yeah. it's uh, I like those notes. It's an ambush hunter. I really like that as a note an in here. Ambush hunter. Uh... Yeah, like licorice, like oxalis, wakame, like uh, you know, lots of lots of those like sea characteristics. I feel yeah, like this, this is like you know, like beech wood on the you know on the edge of the ocean kind of vibes. Um, but yeah, day day two was a lot more fruit. Like it was really yeah. showing oh, the super like raspberry um, kind of vibe. So it's 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 a really curious wine just kind of the thing that I like about it I find in general we don't give wine enough patience when it's open mm-hmm. you know like we, we open it we put it in a glass we put it to our nose we put it in our mouth and we're like yeah, good cool good you know we, we get to cant it and just let it like stretch out a little bit totally you know and see what it's like and maybe check it out the next day if you have any left because it's probably it'll be interesting regardless but, mm-hmm. you know like just to check it out yeah I agree there this is a this is like a fairly as it, and in particular as it sits in the glass now like it really starts to kind of blossom I think yeah. and turns into a big umami bomb like for sure extremely savory when I'm drinking this I was thinking about our lunches at Silver Dragon mm. you know, how yeah. good would this be cold with some duck totally as like almost an aperitif like yeah oh you yeah. know just like yeah like nice and chilled and like. Uh, yeah. You know, I feel like there's a good like goblet glass for this or something like that. Like, <laughs> like oh, just drink drink it like full on. Uh, yeah, be a great like you know kind of you know savory beef and mushroom mm. dish or something. Like totally. 
Chinese kind of five spice kind of way. Yeah, would be would be great. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, this would be great with. What do you think about like soups or something like little spicy soup? Mm. You know, maybe if it was like quite cold. Yeah. Um, on the further of the chill spectrum, in that kind of that crushable, crushable way. Yeah, good like, uh, like, um, like pho even like like kind of. Yeah. Like working well with those uh, with like fish sauce and things like that. Exactly. Like yeah. Yeah, for sure. Kind of that heavier fish sauce type thing, or mm-hmm. this would be great with like. Uh, kind of a, a classic like roasted you know chicken with like a sesame oil soy kind of dipping sauce mm-hmm. you know to it yeah definitely this is pretty tasty yeah like yakitori vibes yeah yeah or, yeah. Oh, yeah totally right you yeah know, this is exactly what that that is made for yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah for sure uh, uh, what does this retail for this is around just over 40 bucks, 42 40 bucks, something like that. Great. Yeah, 42.50. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It yeah, should be cool. We only got seven cases of it. Oh, um, wow. So, super there, rare. Wasn't, uh, there wasn't a lot to go around. We used our last three cases in the wine club. So, um, it'd so be, be a great listing at Shokunet, hey? Oh, yeah. Like that Definitely. kind of style of food there, yeah. hey? Coming out nice and cold. For sure. Like that range that they produce there. Yeah. Shout with out like, there. Yeah. Like, buy this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, with uh, with like uh, like monkfish liver and like things like that. Those like super like yeah. fatty, like rich, but like kind of fish driven flavors for sure. Yeah. Some smokiness. Yeah. This would go great with a whole variety of fish. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't drink enough of these kind of umami, perfumed, deliciously chilled red wines with, you know, fish. Everybody still has this idea that like fish is just light and delicate. Yeah. And it's just bullshit. Yeah. You know, fish oh, yeah. is fatty and intense. And totally and rich and can handle all sorts of things including this would be delicious with it. yeah in my my pairings that i wrote i wrote uh mussels for this i Ooh. thought mussels would be like yeah, underrated Absolutely. yeah hey cilantro you know used to have mm-hmm. that mussels in a black bean oh yeah it's just salty oh, and yeah. full of umami and a little spice too like, yeah yeah a little oh, yeah. spice in it this would be perfect for that oh yeah yeah so let's Let's revive that dish. Yeah, let's, let's exactly. Hey. Have that back somewhere. But. Yeah, this is great. And so I think you know I was looking just looking at this morning the hermit round. He makes quite a bit more wine now. Hey, than, than he used to. Is that true? Or he's still not just, making a lot of wine. He's still making. I don't like, think like in the case amount. I mean, in the yeah. different labels that he makes. Yes, definitely. The variety of selections he has seems yeah. to be a bit more than what historically used to use. Yeah, he's really honing in as well like he's definitely so like the last vintage of pinot that we got was like whole cluster pinot like that's what it was called the whole cluster pinot and he's like yeah gonna focus on whole cluster pinot he made that wine he was like man eh, you know yeah. what i actually don't really like whole cluster pinot uh, and so the next like the next pinot that he released same label but now called zealandia uh and no longer whole cluster all destemmed He's like, he's like, it just doesn't work for like my fruit. He's like, I liked whole cluster pinot elsewhere. It doesn't work for my fruit. Um, and so in some years he's making pet nats and some years he's making, you know, he's always made skin fermented Sauvignon Blanc, um, which is actually going to go into our uh, regular wine club at the end of the month here. Um, and that wine is like banging for me. That's like, that's, that's the end all be all. Like, I, I love it. Again, like you said, like fuzzy peaches, like... Yeah that iced tea characteristic, like that's that's what I, I like. Sauvignon Blanc just does that style so well. Yeah, um, it does. 
and then yeah we got in uh the amphora salty white uh cool. which was like uh like kerner and or sorry kerner muller turgau and sauvignon blanc uh Ooh, like direct yeah. pressed into amphora and like fermented in amphora and like Ooh, cool. holy was it ever good uh, yeah, we only had like one case left and same deal like people just crushed it because it's yeah. so tasty um, but yeah, it's cool that we actually got some extra cuvées because, again, we've only ever gotten the skin-fermented Sauvignon Blanc and then the Pinot, but the Pinot is just such a different beast that this new Pinot is like, it's, again, it, it's not even, you couldn't even put them in the same family, like tasting yeah. them side by side. So um, it's definitely way more like honed in, way more of a sort of less esoteric, more sort of like, not bookish necessarily, but like definitely a more archetypal, you know, yeah. version of Pinot Noir. Something that people would be like, oh, this is Pinot Noir. Versus the last one, you're like, this is wild. Uh, and maybe it was a good representation of, of the vineyard of the place or whatever, but it didn't necessarily represent the grape variety uh, quite as accurately, I think, as, as the new one. So it's interesting to see how we sort of fooled around with those things. Yeah. Um, I think there's yeah. a whole world of exploration in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, it, it gets pigeonholed just so quickly and easily and for, and for a lot of reason I mean they make a pile of something block yeah like lots of it <laughs> just noodles <laughs> you know, a pile of it and there's some really delicious something block that they make which is which is awesome but there's so much more to those two islands mm-hmm. uh, you know throughout the Pinot Noir programs and the Merlot programs uh, that are that are amazing mm-hmm. and a lot of great winemakers who are doing stuff like this which is which is just wicked yeah i love the the exploration of new zealand that we're that we're seeing right now totally yeah it's really interesting even when i i went and worked vintage there uh, a couple of years ago and yeah, that's right yeah and even at that point there's where were you was, again uh, i worked at kindeli ah um, that's right yeah um which was awesome but it was really interesting because there was basically just like three guys uh and then like Milton is like kind of like the old school version of, of like natural wine in New Zealand uh, and like Pyramid Valley too being like the first I think they're the first biodynamic yeah, producer totally. um, so yeah there's like a couple that were that were out there but now like when even when I went there I tasted dozens from like people's first vintage it was everybody's first vintage the year that I was there so there is like uh, I think there's one called Black Star um, that was really cool like those were really interesting some stuff from like really far north on like the volcanic islands where nobody really makes wine because like you could just sell houses for you know millions of dollars up there yeah Um, lots of Pinot Gris up in the north yeah you know up around like Kiri Kiri totally you know around that area it's so beautiful up there yeah the Pinot Gris up there reminded me of Okanagan Pinot Mm. I took a little tour through there and they grew up quite a bit up there so I had a line up in front of me I'm like man I know this smell like I know this smell I know this flavor I know this taste where is that from oh yeah right BC it's also because all of our winemakers in BC are all Kiwis too they all probably use the same yeast it's also the same (laughs) exactly yeah for sure (laughs) yeah Yeah, it was funny touring around uh, touring around New Zealand to be like hey do you know Shane you know, over at Martin's Lane, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's my cousin. Oh my god! <laughs> no way, really. Cla- classic. <laughs> uh, so good. Um, I love that country. They make and they make just great stuff, and a lot of it really affordable for the the kind of quality and um, care and attention that you're getting with those wines. Yeah. yeah, this is delicious. This is great. Yeah, it's fun. And so, I think we immediately went to food with mm-hmm. it. You know, yeah, we started talking about 
what we'd like to eat with it, where it should be placed, and, and what to go with it. I think that speaks a lot of volume about the kind of umami, salty, uh, kind of sexiness of, of that wine. Yeah, for sure. You just want to have lunch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just immediately hungry. Yeah. I was already hungry, so it's like, it's perfect. Uh, and now we're going to get into our, our kind of heavy hitter. This is like definitely the most expensive wine we've ever put into the premium club. Um, coming in at I don't know, around $75 retail, roughly. Um, probably the most expensive Blau Frankish on the market. Uh, but yeah. for us, <laughs> uh, you know, we just felt like cool. it was it was worth it. I just, uh, the second that I tasted this wine, again, like five years ago or so, uh, I was just immediately just enamored. I was like, oh, cool. Like, uh, I, you know, I can drink wines yeah. that taste like, like $300 bottles from the Northern Rhone, um, but they're actually just made from, from Blau Frankish and they're, they're from Austria and, you know, farmed in this amazing way and, and just really spectacular. So this is coming from Franz Wenninger, who is in Bergenland, which is, you know, an hour, well, he's about two hours south of Vienna. So if anybody out there is ever in, in the hood, definitely go stop by. Um, they'll, they'll be happy to, you know, show you around and show you their vineyards and, and taste some wine with you. Um, this is coming from Kalkoven, is the name of the, the vineyard. It's uh, their westernmost vineyard in, um, in Bergenland. It's planted on essentially like limestone. Um, the, the name Kalkoven literally means like, uh, like lime kiln, essentially. And this is where they're producing quicklime. And what's interesting about this site is that there's this correlation between the retention of acidity, um, the the having low pH levels, um, and limestone. There's there's something that's happening chemically there, um, and so what happens is they're able to get this wine, basically let it hang a lot longer than they would with their other single vineyards. Um, so they get this like real intensity of of ripeness uh, of fruit development of flavor and I think sense of place for sure um yeah I don't know for me this is like always just a just a mind bender so oh it's delicious I love Blood Rankers so much every time I say that I have John's album on the back of my head Kek Kek yeah yeah Kek Vankosh that's where it's at yeah the Kek uh yeah delicious Lorengo is such a such a wonderful grape variety. You know, I think at its heart, it's it's a playful red grape, mm -hmm. but it can be put into a you know a fairly serious attire. You know, where it it has a fairly formal stride to it and an excellent structure. As this is is here, it's also 2017 too. Hey, that's mm -hmm. pretty fun. It's current release too. Has a surprising amount of body to it. The tannin uh, culture within this wine is 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 pretty intense in mm -hmm. a really beautiful way like fine grained and quite lavish but still quite architecturally framed around that playful you know juicy blunt frankish core mm -hmm. you know which is like kind of like you know jelly donut yeah like, definitely you know with poppy seeds and you know it's, it's quite it's quite delicious everyone should drink more blunt frankish oh 100% they should drink your Blau Frankish. In they fact. certainly great segue from the, from the fabled hill of Egged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, just the delicious quality is is what what drew me with um, with Kitten Swish and, and in partnership with John Dabo to, to produce that wine. 
was it it's just it's just so absolutely pleasing you mm-hmm. know to drink it's it's lovely it's bouncy but there's a a depth of of fruit intensity uh, that you just love and there's a, always like an inherent kind of textural smoky mm. point with blau frankish yeah. you know and a bit of a peppered note that go through it just inherent to that grape variety that just immediately just adds a nice little snap of complexity to it yeah you know even if it's still kind of juicy and bouncy and, and yeah. easy you're like ah this is so many nuances in here mm-hmm. that are very appropriate and attractive uh, to blau frankish yeah it's a great variety i really like to drink oh yeah i, th- I think it has a lot of the qualities that a lot of us like about like merlot for instance this sort of like fleshy yeah absolutely yeah for sure yeah really sort of like spherical in the mouth like very like ovoid like like satiating herbal quality you know a lot of merlot planted in the okanagan you know Mm -hmm. it's kind of some similarities between some kind of like herbal notes and, and that plump juicy kind of quality to it We've been talking a lot about you know some food food pairings immediately when I when I smell and taste this wine I want to eat a hot dog mm. like a smoky you know onions mustard oh it's really funny because the direction that I went with this this pairing I, when I do the pairings I go down these super deep rabbit holes I've been doing like again I've been doing wine clubs before I even started juice like I ran the wine club at Fine Arts yeah for like right. three years so now I've been doing wine clubs for like seven seven years so it's like you kind of go down these like weird rabbit holes and tangents um i discovered uh because i I try and keep my pairings as like regional as possible like being like okay like what's the historic food from this from this region uh and there's uh and and there's there's uh getala speck uh which is like a doc for bacon uh that they have and uh yeah like they're they essentially like brine it and then cure it in like juniper and um and like tons of garlic and black pepper uh and then they smoke it over um what the heck are they smoking uh over beech or alderwood uh and i was just like oh man like that with like uh you know like baked beans but like that is like the bacon base like kind of vibe like something kind of rich like that you or know. pan fry that and throw that over on a hot dog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For sure. Just wrap your hot dog in that bacon. Like, oh man, that sounds great. Bacon dog. Yeah, dude, yeah. I love me a bacon dog. I feel like, uh, yeah, I feel exactly. like uh, this makes me want to eat. Yeah, maybe. Um, uh, what the heck's that, that hot dog place that I'm thinking of? Seventeenth Ave, Tubby Dog. Tubby Dog. Go for a Tubby Dog. Yeah. Oh, man, totally. They do a little BYOB every now and then. I think you could call yeah. and ask, right? You could bring a bottle of wine as a tubby dog. It's a good tip for the, for the dog. My partner McKenna absolutely is a freak for hot dogs. Oh, I like love she dogs. like she just yeah. like drop a hat. She like I'll eat a hot dog. She loves them. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those, uh, those those pigeonhole hot dogs are pretty deadly too. It's, uh, oh, yeah, it's a so sneaky good. little sneaky little dog in there. Yeah, I like this. I think you know I, Austrian wines do not get enough attention. Like they just, they just, they just, they don't. I remember about 10, 10 years ago, maybe a little bit longer in the market, Calgary had like this wicked selection of Austrian wines. Mm-hmm. You know, like Hertzberger, Prager, Knorr, Pichler, uh, you know, Prager. Like it was, it was so good. And at the time, those wines were, for, for the top wines, maybe 
55 to 75 bucks a bottle. Yeah. And just nobody had any interest in them. Yeah. yeah. For like some of the world's greatest, at the time, the market was mostly focused on white wine. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, from Bacow and, and you know, Kremstad and, and Kamtal areas, which are about, about an hour west of Vienna mm-hmm. or so. Um, and just no one had any interest in them. There was yeah. such a, a hard sell to people because it just, I think for the, in particular, the Canadian, Calgarian point of view about wine, they were just so kind of abstract. Mm-hmm. Like Austrian, and they came in tall bottles. People were like, they're sweet. And they're yeah. Like, no, man, they're 14.5% alcohol and bone dry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, this is going to rip your face off if you try yeah. it because they're amazing. And then they kind of, the market just kind of swooped away. I mean, I remember on glass pour lists, for a while, you couldn't go 10 steps without seeing Gruner Berliner on a glass yeah. pour list, right? They were everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, from light and crisp and to peppery to intense and oily and, and super rich, right? Yeah. And, uh, and then you woke up on Tuesday and they were just gone. Yeah. You know, and nobody cared anymore. Yeah. And then the Austrian market just died. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to see, you know, more interest in, in that country in terms of wines, in particular with this uh, Franz Vindigan. The Kalkovin that we have here today is, is, is beautiful and an example of just how amazing the red program in Austria is as well, mm-hmm. in particular in the south of Burgenland, uh, is delicious. We need to drink more Austrian wine, Yeah, you know, in general, right? And of course now, you know, you look back on hindsight, you look at all those amazing producers that we had in the market that were 55 bucks, now they're 125 bucks yeah. and now you can't get them anymore. Oh, yeah, we kind of like, we had our chance. We had and our we, chance. And we kind of squandered it a little yeah, bit. We, yeah, we totally did. So it's nice to see, uh, you know, Juice's efforts, you know, in that market because it's such mm-hmm. an important market. Plus also, like, Austria rules. Like, you get to yeah. go to Austria and that means you get to hang out in Vienna. Yeah. You know, which is super dope. Yeah. Right? You know, it's just covered in palaces, which inside are covered in gold. Like the best place to go. Great pastries, beautiful coffee. Yeah. And you get to drink awesome wine. Everyone should go to Austria. If you haven't mm-hmm. been, go to Austria because it's, it's, it's dope. And so I, I love seeing these wines here. They're, they're fantastic. And this, I mean, for $75 retail is top end, top of the line, proper, fine wine. Yeah. Buying. You know, you can drink this now. It's appropriate. But there's a whole pile of stuff in this wine that will, will surely reward uh, some selling time mm-hmm. you know probably up to a nice decade in this would be really oh, yeah. interesting to see where this would go hey where it becomes tertiary and those smoky uh bits turn into leathery bits yeah you know and that tanner becomes harmonized with that acid well we just got a couple cases of 05 oh. um Kirchhoff straight from the winery really yeah um from is, that? Is, is that here today it's, it's, I, I, don't, I don't have a bottle. Uh, it just showed up. So it's, uh, yeah, I haven't been able to get my hands on a bottle yet. But uh, yeah, we got four cases of, uh, of 04 single vineyard Kirchholz. Basically, back in that day, um, Franz was having a lot of trouble getting a good cork producer. And so he was really frustrated and that, you know, a lot of things were coming out corked. And he was just like, I don't like this. He's like, I'm going to start looking at alternatives. And so he started experimenting with, with DM, which is the direction he ended up going. Um, and Great now market. his wines are, yeah, his wines are bottled on DM and the, I've never had a cork issue with them. Um, but he also did a small experimental batch under screw cap. And so um, he was like, because of his winemaking style back then and the, the nature of Blaufrankisch being a somewhat reductive grape variety, um, he was like, he is very into not releasing these wines until they're ready. He'll hang on them in, in barrel. So this spends at least two years in barrel. Um, 
like he rotates the barrel on its side so the, so the bung basically creates this like seal so yeah. you don't get really any evaporation necessarily he thinks that doing that means that he can use a lot less sulfur because of these long aging um, but he'll then hang on to it and bottle for as long as he needs to until the wine's ready which is why 2017 you know this is this just showed up um, and uh, and so with that wine he was like yeah this is just gonna take some time and so he just stashed it away uh and then was finally like cool yeah this is this is ready to go now uh and so yeah just a couple cases of uh yeah oh five you know that's just gonna be i know i I cannot (laughs) wait to get a bottle of it (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah. oh very cool yeah i'm i'm impatiently waiting uh, the first shop to order some so i can actually buy a bottle uh, this and is this this is retail a little bit the the one we're drinking now. Uh, we got just enough for the wine club. Yeah. So we oh, we have a. How lucky is everyone at home right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We uh. So, so to give you some context, uh, so we have two different wine clubs. One is um sort of our our more universal wine club that's like a hundred bucks a month and you get three bottles of wine, and um, you know we don't really have like a cap on how big it's gonna get uh it's maybe like 130 140 people at the moment yeah, versus this one is 36 people ever yeah. we'll never grow uh Ooh. and so a lot of the wines that go into it we get like six six packs 36 bottles and it goes exclusively uh actually there's only 35 people because i'm also in the clubs so that we can drink these wines um so like someone so, has to die to get into this exactly yeah so essentially intense. yeah for sure <laughs> uh so yeah this uh we got 36 bottles of this into into alberta this year and all 36 went to uh, people in the club so it's uh i love that yeah, so it's. Uh, I think we. I think we maybe only have like thirty people in the club right now because yeah. um, it's a fairly new thing and we don't really advertise it necessarily. Yeah. Um, but uh, so yeah, I think there's maybe a couple extra bottles. I know Mark really wants to buy one. He has a pretty good Blau Frankish yeah. collection yeah. in his cellar. But uh, yeah, so it's uh, of everything else that we got. Again, Hermit Ram, we only got seven cases. Uh, the Palmite, uh, we got twenty six packs, so one hundred and twenty bottles, um, I believe. I'm not sure if I'm remembering that correctly or not, but somewhere around there. But yeah, yeah. this again, production on this is only two thousand bottles. Yeah, so it's, I was just looking at that now. This is bottle fourteen oh seven. Yeah, fourteen oh seven. Great as bottle. As it sits in the glass, like it just continues to expand, and that nose continues to evolve and to open up, and you mm-hmm. get something so. I mean, limestone is like you know, kind of the, the the king of kings when it comes to a lot of great varieties. Not all of them, but a lot of them for a lot of the great varieties that we. We, we, we love and, and, and cherish and kind of a, a more, you know, to use the esoteric term of mineral, mm-hmm. you know, orientated wines, uh, you know, limestone is definitely a direction to it. And you always you get a sense of that, you know, with wines that are grown in those type of, of soil or soil orientation or blends of that, you know, that limestone to it. And you get a sense of, there's always like a sense of like um, precision. Mm-hmm. There's a, a tautness yeah. Uh, to the wine, there's uh, an architecture to the the acids uh, that are in there. They just seem, you know, tense mm-hmm. a little bit. You know, like they've been just torqued mm-hmm. a little bit. And you get a lot of that in in this wine, in that sense, and, and particularly in the aromatic profile as it unfolds. It's it's pretty amazing wine. Mm-hmm. You know, for that that top lifted aromatic profile, but then you get the big, juicy, bassy, beefy notes of a black rankish in there it's awesome it's an amazing wine to watch as it unfolds in the glass mm-hmm. yeah really like satisfying like you, you ah, have ah. you have a glass of this and you feel like 
All right. That's why you drink red wine. Yeah, totally. Okay, good. Cool. Awesome. Satisfied. Yeah, for sure. It's delicious. Yeah. That's the other really fun thing about only having 36 members and and having them be, um, again, like proper wine nerds in a lot of cases is is we can be uh, flexible and show a lot of different styles. But because of the price point that we're able to to do this, so this is like 150 bucks a month and you get, you know, 150 plus dollars of wine, plus this little podcast, plus the write-up or whatever. Um, It's great value. It's awesome. Totally. Love the amount of of detail and attention to it. Yeah. It's amazing. It's great you do this. Um, but because of the price point that we're afforded, we're able to, to show like classics at like the top of their quality that are, are farmed biodynamically, that, that have very little sulfur added, that have no manipulations yeah. or anything, but that still show these like archetypes at the, at the highest level that, you know, Blau Frankish can sort of, you know, aspire to, I suppose. Um, Absolutely. So it's, it's fun to have that. And then like, you know, next month it's going to be like more orange wine uh, and like yeah, more, cool. like, you know, b- bubbles and things like that. So it's like we can really sort of play around with it, which is always, yeah. always great. So I'd love to watch the, I, I have loved to watch the, the juice portfolio, you know, evolve over time. I mean, it's become mm-hmm. such a, a, a wonderfully beautiful portfolio of, of amazing producers in there. You know, and it's nice that you, I can see that from, from your portfolio of being able to offer such a, a wonderfully uh, creative and energetic mix of, of wines for a wine club. It's mm-hmm. great. Yeah, so, it's, a, it's a blast. It's a cool outlet too, because again, like I, I think yeah. if I were to send out a, you know, a flyer to the, uh, to the wine community at large and be like, hey, we have some Blaufrankers that will sell for $75 a bottle. How much would you like? There would be like zero people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it, it's, um, but no. this wine deserves to be drank. Like, but like, Oh, People who taste this are going to love it. And so Absolutely. having the club as an outlet for these wines that we selfishly also want to drink uh, and that believe, you know, we believe their, their value is, is you know, appropriate. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's nice to have that sort of outlet and, and people are excited. So. smart, you will nab those last four or five spots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And get on this. It's an amazing bottle of wine. Yeah. So all three of these wines have been, been wonderfully curated. Mm-hmm. And wonderfully delicious well i appreciate it I'm, I'm, I'm glad you enjoy it um yeah i don't know uh is, is there any sort of uh fun kitten swish wines coming out in the in the near future here that yeah. we should all be excited about <laughs> and uh yeah and i should have brought a bottle i was thinking about it and i just kind of forgot due to my activities last night <laughs> uh yeah i have a collaboration project mm-hmm. coming out with reese pender uh of little farm uh, we made some piquette oh, this year. Yeah, and it kind of turned out, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I, uh, I worked harvest with them this year, and uh, so Ali Shan, who is Reese's business partner in Little Farm, so I was helping them with harvest. So got, it's a little five-acre property. They've got Riesling kind of planted around a little mulberry tree over here, and then I say this as if people can see my hand motions, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a bit of Chardonnay kind of planted over here. And so I helped them with their Chardonnay, um, Harvest and asked uh, Alexander Reese, like, you guys ever thought about making like piquettes? And they're like, no, never. <laughs> but it just so happened that there was a bin of Chardonnay pressings right there and there was a hose. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> like, this is mine now. <laughs> just turn on the hose and I do this while I talk to you about making piquette. Yeah. Then by the time we're done this conversation, Halfway we've down. made piquette. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. And so it was just that easy. And then 
you know, like when the universe just clicks and everything works well, you know, so we kind of talked about the piquette and kind of the style and, and, and what it is. And then we're going to going through this and Alex, she, she you know, boosts out up. She's like, I have a pallet of empty sparkling wine bottles right there. <laughs> oh my God. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Yeah. You know, and we made, and it's, so it turns out so we made exactly like 41 cases oh, sweet. of piquette. So it was, <laughs> it was not, so it was a, a beautiful kind of community. So we, we so we, we, we filled this bin, so this you, you make piquette by, by watering back skins, right? Yeah. You know, and it's the exact opposite. It's 180 degrees from making wine where you start with bricks, you watch the bricks go down, and then you watch the alcohol go up. Yeah. You know, in this you start with no bricks, basically, and then as it steeps, it's like making tea, actually, mm-hmm. is a better kind of way of describing it, as making tea. As you steep it with water, the bricks rise, and so does the alcohol, and then the alcohol rise, and then they extract more bricks. So yeah. it's this, this building process that, you know, kind of goes back and forth like mm-hmm. a staircase, you know, all the way up. So we ended up, we put that bin, and then a week later, we added another bin of pressings to it. So, we, like, you couldn't you couldn't move this thing. It was like a brick of concrete. Yeah. You know, it was just, just absolutely solid. And so we let that ferment for two weeks. Then we pressed it again. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was so intense. And then we let it settle overnight. And then the next day, I had a friend from Vancouver, Brad, he showed up and he helped us with this. And then we hand bottled it. So it was yeah. in a tank outside and I had two two liter pitchers and I would fill them up and then we would fill every bottle by hand. Oh my God. And we had a single bottle pneumatic corker. Oh my God. So it, Love was, it. it was one at a time. It took us 11 hours Holy to bottle 41, 41 cases. cases. <laughs> yeah. That is horrible. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> It was, yeah, it was, it was super long and it was super intense. And at the time, uh, I had no idea about the stuff because when, yeah. when it went to ball, it was disgusting. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely rank. Like it yeah. was turbid and cloudy and gross and smelled kind of like some weird, funky iced tea that you yeah. left on a counter and it was warm and, you know, it was awful actually, yeah. you know, but we're like, okay, you know, let nature do its thing and totally... <laughs> But, you know, biology. Like, oh, this, this tastes terrible, but I'm about to put 11 hours of hard labor into Get putting a, it into a bottle. <laughs> put a lot of work into it. Yeah, totally. And so we so we, we did that. We, we finished it up. And then we're like, okay, we'll let it sit. And so we bottled it at one bricks. So it was kind of a community project of sorts. You know, I went to, to Matt at OCP, Okanagan Crush Pad. I'm like, God, like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, you know, like, it was one bricks going to give me some bubble and... He's like, I should, you know, it mm-hmm. depends what's in there, you know, yeah. but, you know, maybe, you know, it might. And then I talked to Jay and Bella, I did harvest work as well. I'm like, God, I can need some help here, man. Because Jay makes some beautiful piquette oh, yeah. as well. They're quite delicious. He puts an amazing amount of work into it. You know, he adds juice and puts in, you know, fresh, you know, berries and stuff. Does a great job with it. So he's kind of like my, my go-to guy. And he's like, oh, yeah, it should work. Okay, you know. Tomorrow, you know, and then we, we waited, and then so recently I waited. So, what is it now? It's June, so we kind of started tasting around May. Mm-hmm. And nature, like, it's amazing what stuff does in a bottle, you know, like, it's not, oh, yeah. it's like it, it cleaned up, it's now quite clear ish, actually, and it's turned into this beautifully structured blend of like black. Southern U.S. style tea, hmm. chilled apple cider, hmm. and kombucha. <laughs> yeah. If you took all those three, put them in a glass, and the bubble didn't really take as much as I wanted it to. Hmm. However, though, it's got a nice. It's like Petit Natural, really. Yeah. You know, like in kind of a proper 
proper sense to it. it just has this delicate little bubbly froth to it perfect for brunch really yeah you know is, is amazing to it and with the amount of solids in it i think the lack of bubble is not lack i mean there's a good amount of fritz to it really. well we'll try some yeah. check it out it's quite it's quite delicious really nice but the amount of solids in there i'm kind of thankful there's not more co2 yeah they would have created those those points for the co2 to just go bonkers otherwise yeah. it would just explode right and you know no yeah. one would be able to drink it so very exciting, you know, nice. from start to finish, two weeks bottling. Wow. And then I guess like seven months in a bottle, two yeah. weeks. Yeah, it's cool. Wow. I, What's uh, the alcohol percentage on it? 5.2. 5.2, which perfect. I'm extremely proud about, yeah. you know, which I thought was pretty cool. And it's really harmonized. There's a good amount of tannin to it from, you know, just the way we made it. Yeah. Good acid, fully organic, no added anything. Mm-hmm. I should mention there's some plums. Plums. So there's a nice. plum tree on the property, and I'm like, and they were ripe at the time. So we grabbed like a bin of plums and then pitted those and then stuffed them in there. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. yeah. yeah it, was, it was so intense. I look forward to it. And the label's pretty cool. We did this wraparound label. I made, I, I painted this painting years ago, and so I took a snippet of it and turned it into this label. So it's just like, nice. So it's purely like homegrown and made out of love. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's Chardonnay, organic Chardonnay pressings and organic plums. And that's it. And some water. And that's yeah. It. Love it. Yeah. And ambient yeast. It's amazing. Yeah. It's so good. When, when can everybody, uh, you know, get, get their hands on this? We sent labels to print last week, so this should be released in about a month. Nice. I think. Yeah. Super excited. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, Jeez. it's going to be great. Yeah. yeah. We called it LFKS. <laughs> sense really yeah 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 super excited nice yeah that sounds awesome i yeah. love piquet i think it's a i had a couple bad ones right off the bat when yeah. it was like started coming out and then i think some people honed in on it a little bit more yeah. tasted some bad ones and we're like oh this is where i can make improvements and then now again a bunch of the piquets that i've had i'm like ah this is actually a wine style that i can get behind i was not into it at first and now i'm like yeah. i really like this i think this is like Again, a good way of using sort of leftover, uh, you know, getting a second use out of uh, yeah. you know, certain grapes at least. And when you try the terrible ones, that's exactly how they come across as like a leftover afterthought kind yeah. of. But I think it's important for, for people when they think about Piquet not to think of it as wine, mm. but to think of it as um, almost like an RTD mm-hmm. kind of, right? 100%. You have to make Piquet. Mm-hmm. Winemaking and, and, you know, especially the three wines we've tried today, I mean, it's, you know, it's a super attention to fruit and, and careful and then letting kind of nature under the guidance of a human hand work out its, its course and stuff. Mm-hmm. You don't do that with piquet. You literally, you make piquet. Yeah. Like you add ingredients to it. If I want sugar, I'll add honey. If I want more fruit, I'll add maybe plums. some whole berries yeah. to it or some plums. Yeah. You know, like you make piquet kind of how you want it to do yeah. it. So I think it's important for people to think about it that way. It's, it's a made product, mm-hmm. you know, that I make and they can be certainly absolutely delicious. Lots of terrible ones out there, but yeah, lots of amazing ones. Yeah. Like KS. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Full, full plug. We, we love the plug. Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty interesting category. I, uh, I'm glad I kind of, you know, I'm glad it came into our market because I wasn't mm-hmm. familiar with it before. I guess maybe a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So it seems it just in a lovely way to you know to continue to to make stuff from all the intense viticulture is so hard. So hard. Like it's yeah. so hard, you know. So to be able to use ingredients into into and to put them into another pleasurable product mm-hmm. for people just makes so much sense to me. 
Mm-hmm. I love it. And it's not like the the labor involved is free, but it is a good way of people sort of bolstering their income, uh, where it's the the water in essence does not cost very much. It's just you got to be willing to put in like the extra little bit of time and the glass and like that sort of stuff. But uh, ultimately, it, again, especially in a place like the Okanagan, where you know you're already on the shoestring budget in order to be yeah. able to produce these wines, it's yeah, it's uh, oh. it's to be able to make Piquette, you know, a couple hundred bottles even. It's helpful totally absolutely you know like if you're small producers like you know the uh you know three wines we tried today it's hard it's incredibly labor-intensive work it's work all year round it it it's your entire life you know that goes into this and and it's it's hard and you know some people do you know it's the old saying right how do you make a million bucks in the wine industry you start with 10 million dollars yeah, exactly. You know, right, and so it's just, it's super hard. So to be able to get you know products and see, and they're frivolous. They're super. They're fun. You know, they're brunch yeah. products, right? They're totally. by the river products. You know, they're mm-hmm. great. They're great. They're a yeah. good addition to the market. I'm happy they're here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So am I. And even just things like we brought in some some canned riesling spritzes, where they took riesling, oh, yeah. uh, watered it back, and then uh, uh, fermented things like caracara uh, orange and uh, cool. yuzu and. Uh, hibiscus and raspberries and cherries and they did all these like different like all the same reason based on but like basically infused with different things added some bubbly water to it put it in a can and I'm like this is delicious like this awesome. is this is not a category of beverage that I was drinking even a year ago totally. and I'm super yeah. excited about all these sort of potential um, you know hybrid products like uh, Anthony Buchanan sending us uh, a small amount of uh, apple grape dandelion wine, uh, where you just like, oh, wicked. just like just kept adding things, and he's just like, oh, like we'll see how this goes. Uh, wicked, yeah. And so it's, I don't know, it's stuff like that where it's like use everything that you have in the vineyard, like yeah, all man, around you, and just make something that's fun to drink. And you know, we have lots of serious wines, that's really great, but it's also fun to have yeah. stuff just for, you know, thirst quenching. Grab some plums and stuff it in there. Grab some plums and stuff it in there. <laughs> Perfect closing note, I think. Uh, anyways, if anybody has any further questions, uh, you can send me an email at eric, E-R-I-K, at juiceimports.com. Uh, in the newsletter that we'll be sending you, we'll have uh, a link to uh, Brad's Instagram, which is always entertaining, as well as uh, his, uh, his side projects, uh, Kitten Swish. Uh, and also his, his consulting. So if any of you out there happen to need a wine list written for you, you, uh, you now have a good contact. Um, yeah, thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much, so much for drinking the wines. And uh, thanks, Brad, for, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great way to spend a Saturday morning. Loved it. Thank you so much. Hey, no problem. Yeah.